The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The eyes of the world, the eyes of the populations of the world are on you and we have your numbers. That lingering sense of fleas remains and we'll see what comes next. We need to make sure that what sits there on a piece of paper is actually going to turn into tangible, actionable projects on the ground that are going to make a difference to people's lives. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepker. Now, in a moment, we take a closer look at the cladding catastrophe and who pays for it. More than four years after the Grenfell Tower fire revealed the dangers of combustible cladding. But first, Boris Johnson's position as Prime Minister remains precarious as Partygate continues to expand. Downing Street staff are reported to have held two leaving parties at Number 10 in April 2021 on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral. The Prime Minister didn't attend either event, but his former communications chief, James Slack, has apologised for the anger and hurt caused by the gathering. The Met have said the government will not face a police inquiry into alleged pandemic rule-breaking unless an ongoing probe by senior civil servant Sue Gray turns up evidence of criminal behaviour. Well, joining us now is Peter Bottomley, Conservative MP for Worthing West and father of the House. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm going to get on to cladding in a moment. But first of all, it looks like surely a matter of time before this Prime Minister is forced out. Does he still have any of your confidence? I, I answer two questions. One is, has he said sorry? The answer is yes. And the second is, will we have the chronology in the report? The answer is yes. And beyond that, I don't have any supplementary answers. And in terms of the the, the elections in in May, do you think that is a, do you think that is a key point for Boris Johnson? If the elections are really bad, do do you think his position is uh, is precarious? I think we ought to look at it from the interests of local electors in local areas, and what they should be considering is who's going to do best to the quiet, undramatic provision of local services. I can make that argument in my own constituency, my uh, borough council, as I used to for my district council and the county council, I think we ought to approach these elections as to who's going to charge least to provide the best value. And I think that should be the dominant issue. But there have been times, if you go back to 1968, when Labour got wiped out in London uh, Mm. because of national conditions, that meant an awful lot of good councillors went. Um, I don't think it would be right then to have said, you know, James Callaghan had to go as prime minister. There's so many examples of where mm. you really need to... Did, did uh, you believe the Prime Minister in Parliament this week, uh, the, in the apology Cara, Cara, that he Cara, gave? Karen, that, that, that's a supplementary question. Mm. And I said already, I'm not going to give a supplementary answer. He said sorry, and we're going to get the chronology. OK, let's okay. move on then. 
All right, well, let's go on to the subject of our special programme now. It's more than four years since the deadly Grenfell Tower fire in London revealed the dangers of cladding. The government has now come up with a plan to replace combustible building materials. Michael Gove, the Secretary of State for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, announced this week that he'd written to home builders telling them they have to pay a 4% tax over 10 years for remediation on medium-sized buildings. That comes at an estimated total cost of £4 billion. Now, Gove is the fourth housing secretary to try to tackle the issue that has left hundreds of thousands of leaseholders in potentially dangerous homes that they can't sell and facing the prospect of enormous bills to fix fire safety problems. Well, Peter Bottomley, Conservative MP for Worthing West, father of the House of Commons, stays with us. Peter, wasn't it obvious that um, it wasn't people who were going to be able to foot this bill? It was really only industry. Why did it take four years and multiple plans to get here? Because most people don't understand the leasehold system, a feudal leftover from William the First, 950 years ago. <laughs> and it's a battle that I've been going on about for about 15 years. There are others in the campaigning charity Leasehold Knowledge Partnership have been doing it longer than, even than I have. The truth is that by law, a leaseholder is only a tenant, and the tenant owns not a single brick in the building, and yet the law apparently required them to pay all the costs of remediation, of putting right things that others have got wrong. I can go through a list of those who may have contributed to things going wrong, the developer, the builder, the architect, the surveyor, the component suppliers, the building controllers, the people setting building specifications, everybody except the innocent leaseholder. And although... Prime Ministers, Theresa May uh, and others have said uh, the leaseholder shouldn't have to pay and the Secretary of State have. They couldn't get through the Treasury. Now, if if I'd been advising the Treasury, I'd have said the person who needs to be able to make a claim against those responsible is the leaseholder. But the leaseholder doesn't have the right to do that because they're going to a brick. The freeholder won't unless they get indemnity costs from the leaseholder, so nothing much is going to happen. So what, what you need to do is to have someone who can take over the rights of the leaseholder Mm. Essentially, you need to find the problem, but, fix the problem, fund it. Yes, but, but tre- Peter, that was all quite... I mean, that was well yes. understood, though, wasn't it? At the time yes. of the Grenfell Tower fire, that was well understood by many um, industry experts. It was clear that, that there was going to be a big bill. Um, will leaseholders be fully protected from having to pay anything with this plan? Uh, I can't say anything because there's still a degree of doubt as to whether it's only cladding or it's other fire defects. Mm. My my view is that those responsible for known defects, and they knew it at the time, should have unlimited liability in terms of cost and unlimited liability in terms of facing claims. In fact, it's their insurance companies who will probably be paying. But if you take the the major part, if the cost is going to come to about £10 billion, uh, the government needs to find somewhere making that advanced money and then get it back from those responsible. And the ways of doing that are, are relatively simple. I, I could explain at length, but probably not necessary. The it, it, first Secretary of State, uh, Peter, uh, James Brokenshire, instructed his permanent secretary to allow £600 million in payment. The next one, uh, Rob, uh, Sarah Javid, raised that to a billion. Then Robert Jenrick brought in the next two, two or three billion, and now we've got up to about £10 billion. So we're, we're making progress. I, I do say to the Treasury... If you want to get things right, talk to people like me first, and you can get it right first time rather than fourth time. Isn't there a, a danger of a, of a massive row here? A number of the companies involved uh, or, or are not happy with this. So, uh, they say that they fit, fitted buildings out according to government regulations at the time. And also, I was interested that you, you list architects and uh, 
producers of uh, insulation. A lot of these companies don't seem to be on the, on the hook at all. Well, they aren't at the moment, but that's because the, the only person who can make the claim is the, is the landlord, normally the freeholder. The only person on whose behalf they can make it is the leaseholder who hasn't got the money. So we're stuck in a slight legal quandary, but it's quite easy to deal with that by assigning the rights that the leaseholder might have and the landlord to an agency, which can just say to them, look, get around the table. This is going to cost you £10 billion in damages, and it's going to cost you an extra 3 or £4 billion in legal fees unless you come to an agreement. And you'll pretty soon find they'll come to an agreement. It won't be completely fair. It won't be completely pretty, but it'll be completely effective. Mm. How quickly do you think this may be resolved? I mean, quickly, it's surely going to be years um, in terms of, of a resolution. I was doing research on this. I couldn't even find an actual figure, a, a kind of a well-documented figure on even how many people are affected by this in terms of the number of, of buildings. Well, this, this is where we ought to have taken uh, the example of the state of Victoria and Australia, where they got a government uh, agency to go out and assess what needs to be done, got it done, and then start getting the money back from those who are responsible. Uh, there are probably 12,000 buildings involved, uh, many of whom leaseholders have been paying for waking watches. They're still paying for sky-high uh, insurance premiums on property that they even own. G- government could get a grip. They need to appoint an agency with a tough commercial lawyer who can get people to face the fact and they'll pretty soon find this is in their interest to do a settlement, which will be pretty comprehensive, pay for everything, and then if necessary, you can fight between the component manufacturers, the building specifiers, the building controllers, the developers, the architect, and everybody else. There's uh, been a report in The Guardian uh, recently about a 51-storey tower in London with 400 flats, which was going to plan permission with just one staircase. Uh, it's now been the application has now been withdrawn. Do you think the UK has, has fully got a grip on problems of fire safety? No. And, and Sir David Amos, uh, 20 years ago, set up a fire safety group in Parliament with the help of Ronnie King and other fire chiefs. And they've been making progress. Nick Ross, the uh, well-known personality and, and broadcaster, points out that people don't die in fires when there are sprinkler systems. But I think even sprinkler systems wouldn't have saved the people who tragically lost their lives at Grenfell, partly because of the single staircase, partly because the, the way the fire service protocol worked was based on the understanding that a fire would be kept within one flat. Well, because of the external chimney effect of the fire, the cladding, that, that didn't happen. So I, I think that people ought to learn the lesson that you need to have dual means of access and escape. You need to have sprinklers, you need to have alarm systems, but most of all, you need to have people not doing the minimum for fire safety and often failing to do that. They ought to be doing the maximum. Do you think that Michael Gove will meet the deadline um, that he's imposed in terms of March, getting the agreement of industry? I have, I have confidence that Michael Gove and his team will meet the deadline. There will still be things to sort out afterwards. But if you get the structure right and the assessment can happen and the works can be done and the funding can be advanced, you can then get the money back so the public sector won't have to pay in the end. And just briefly, you've been campaigning on wider reforms to the, the leasehold system, haven't you? I have. The, there have been scandals over doubling of ground rents. Well, uh, government's now taken effective action there and the competition of the market authority are requiring developers to pay back and put leaseholds in the position they ought to be in. The Law Commissioner produced reports on how you can uh, 
provide for extension to leases, which are not as exorbitant cost and that people can build to buy their freeholds. We ought to be able to get recognition of uh, residents' groups without having to fight through the courts. And some of the people who I regard as bad, who have accumulated thousands and thousands of freeholds, mm-hmm. will soon find it's in their interest to sell those at fair prices to the local re- leaseholders so they can be both tenants and freeholders. It won't solve every problem, but it'll solve most of them. Uh-huh. It's time for reform. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, according to Bloomberg Intelligence, it's the UK's biggest home builders who will be hit hardest by the government's plan for a 4% residential developer surcharge over 10 years to play, pay for replacing unsafe cladding on blocks of flats. Barrett, Persman, Bellway, Taylor Wimpy, Crest Nicholson and Countryside could pay as much as 80% of the tax. But will the funds materialise, given there is expected to be some pushback from developers? Joining us now is David O'Leary, who is Policy Director at the Home Builders Federation. David, welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for being with us. How does the industry view the cladding tax announcement? Well, um, I think it's it's important to say that um, the, the cladding tax, as it's become known, the residential property developer tax, is something that the government announced about 12 months ago. Um, and we consulted extensively with the government on that during the course of last year. And that tax is now uh, implemented and will be payable from this year as a 4% surcharge on corporation tax by all home builders uh, with profits above £25 million a year. Uh, the principle of that uh, and most of the detail of that, we fully supported the government on. Our members fully supported the government on. Uh, we thought it was right that uh, the industry as a whole made a contribution uh, to the tune of about £2 billion um, through that new tax. What's happened this week is 
that the, the housing secretary has come back asking for uh, another contribution, uh, this time four billion. Um, and you know we are have committed to engage very constructively as much as we possibly can with the government on this. Uh, but it's it, it is more difficult. Um, you know, we have uh, a new residential property developer tax, and we have the building safety levy, which is coming in as well in the next sort of eighteen months. Um, so this is additional to that, um, and is in addition uh, as well to all of the money that has been spent and is being spent by the largest developers on remediating buildings where they themselves have been involved in the construction. And we think that amounts to another billion pounds or thereabouts. Is, is there a danger that this is unfair to, to house builders who haven't really been involved in building many flats, that they end up summoning the cost for, the, for this enormous bill? Well, well I, we think so, uh, yes. Um, uh, and not, you know, certainly some builders have been involved in building um, uh, blocks which have subsequently been found to have safety issues and they are as you would expect from uh, responsible businesses going back and fixing those problems where they, they've been shown to have arisen. Um, in addition, you know, we, we are then paying through, through new taxes and new levies. So we think that this isn't a problem that's been caused uh, by the development industry or by home builders necessarily. We're, we're at one end of it, but we think there's a sort of broader church of people who really need to be involved in these discussions, the obvious being product manufacturers who, who's, uh, some of whom uh, have brought products to the market which haven't necessarily been fit for purpose or fit for the mm. purposes for which they uh, had you know, shown to be fit for. So um, we, we, we think that this is a conversation that needs to be wider than just a handful of developers, certainly. Do- do you think that do you think that house builders are an, are an easy target for the government wanting to get money? Uh, um, I think it, it's, poss- it's definitely possible to say that uh, the industry is an easy target. Um, you know, many of the other uh, potential avenues for reclaiming some some money or uh, some revenue on for this purpose. Uh, when you look at that, it becomes quite difficult. It's quite a tricky uh, uh, business to get more money out of. Um, well, certainly overseas developers who may have closed down their special purpose vehicles many years ago, um, other developers who may have gone bust, but but then more widely also a number of product manufacturers, certainly the largest ones, are headquartered overseas. Um, they don't really have much by way of operations in this country. So we are, as uh, you know, UK builders, uh, a bit of an easy target, yeah. David, um, the government, though, and Michael Gove, you know, made headlines this week by making it fairly plain that there were going to be, you know, tough new measures for the government action, basically, if if Gove and the government can't extract this four billion pounds out of industry. So there are barely, barely a few weeks, but you think there'll be significant pushback? Well, uh, you know, we are we, we will be taking part in those discussions with government. We haven't had those yet. Um, we, we heard the announcement at the same time as everyone else, and our members had the announcement at the same time as everyone else. And those roundtables that uh, the Secretary of State referenced in his letter to the industry haven't taken place yet. So um, yeah, there is going to be a, a, an open discussion about this with the industry, and you know, we 
will approach that constructively. Um, yeah, I think it would be we would welcome some recognition from the government that the industry, by and large, certainly those you know, the UK's listed house builders have stepped up to the plate and tried to remediate and put right things where they've been shown to to not be right. So um, some of the some of the tone of the the announcement on Monday didn't really um, make that clear. We don't think so. Um, we're approaching the discussions uh, constructively, but it, it remains to be seen what what is achievable and what isn't. The, the industry, the house building industry, has had a very profitable and successful few years, hasn't it? And you have put aside quite a lot of money for these uh, these provisions, haven't you? So, wouldn't it be better to just to to get on with this, uh, pay the money, uh, and and move on? Yeah, the money has been put aside by um, most of the larger home builder. Uh, home builders and also many smaller private companies who have done the work without um, necessarily having to report it uh, publicly. Uh, but that, that money's been put aside to put right their own problems. Uh, and in this sense, the kind of polluter pays principle that has been talked about much this week um, you know, chimes to some extent with, with that action. Um, what the government is asking here uh, is for the industry as a whole or the, the larger home builders to, to fund the works where there is no developer um, that is traceable or you know, or it's an overseas developer who cannot be taxed. So um, yeah. Yeah, that money has been put aside, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't stretch to 4 billion uh, necessarily and it can't solve all of, the issues that are out there. Okay, David O'Leary, Policy Director at the Home Builders Federation. So it needs to be more than just industry here. Well, joining us now for a different perspective on this is Rico Wojtulevich, who is the Head of Housing and Planning Policy at the National Federation of Builders. Within the industry, but again, as I say, from a slightly different perspective, why have the manufacturers of the flammable cladding got away with it, or indeed the overseas developers that, that David just pointed to? Good morning. Um, I'm going to be a little bit bolder than David when he was, I think he was a little bit polite, uh, when you asked him about whether developers are easy targets. Yes, extremely easy targets. And I predominantly represent small and medium-sized house builders. And um, it's been a tough 10 years for us. Uh, Two days ago, I received an email from from a member saying, I'm leaving the house building industry now too expensive. The extra taxes that are put on us are too expensive. I'm going to go out of business. I've had like 70 people in the last six years. Mm. And it's because industry just views us as cash cows and it's easy to make us the bad people. But, but the um, issue with all and, of this and, is that leaseholders being left with those correct. sorts of debts of up to £100,000 to pay to fix these problems that they didn't know about, didn't cause, you know, that's completely unpalatable, I suppose, to the public. 100%. And I think that this plays into the, the, the question you actually asked is why haven't uh, you know, manufacturers been held accountable? And I think it's because developers are such easy targets. And that's hurt leaseholders the most. And we're still at that stage now. Um, it, in my opinion, I think the government has waited far too long now. And I know it's an uncomfortable conversation to put more uh, taxation on the taxpayers. But they need to solve this and then reclaim the money. And if they go through this legal process of effectively for some this will be a fifth tax because they've done a remediation work, they've got general taxation, we've got the building safety level, we've got the uh, property developers tax. 
they're going to wait another four years to have their problem solved. And the misery that leaseholders have gone through for doing absolutely nothing wrong is just abhorrent. So, 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 so Rico, your yep. Rico, your solution is is not for the builders to to pay towards this problem. The problem which they've been, you know, they've taken part in is is for the taxpayer to to come in and, and bail, bail the system out. No, no, I think it's that the government has two choices. If I think either way, there will be extra, be a, a fifth for some, a fourth for others, and a third tax on the industry for many. Um, they will they will have to pay and contribute in some way. The government has made that very clear, and they will also target uh, manufacturers. But to get that across the line will take four years, potentially. I don't think leaseholders can wait another four years. So, unfortunately, especially with, with uh, rates being as low as they are, if the government rectified these issues and then reclaimed the money from the, those they found accountable, then at least the leaseholders' issues will be sorted. And it's a really difficult conversation because that's all for, for us really needs to be sorted. It's making sure the leaseholders are now protected because it's been going on far too long. We know the government is, as they say, coming for industry. Who industry, who they decide industry is, is another matter. But if that's their plan, then they need to actually sort things out for leaseholders as soon as possible. And that's really our concern. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.